back, episode 15 of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. Ignore my Colts hat. This is a Jets podcast, and I just realized I was wearing a teddy. We Dang. are here a day later than usual. Uh, a little bit of a fuck up on my end. Uh, I didn't check my schedule from an event that I made two months ago, but we're here. It is Thursday, June 30th. Um, heading into the month of July, we are getting so much closer to the Jets football season today. Before we get into everything, I have a great podcast lined up for you. We are going to finish our Reading the Room series going over the offensive line, and we're finally going to get to our Flight 2022 recap, which if you're a Jets fan, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've definitely already watched the entire thing. So you're just going to hear us kind of chalk up a little bit of our thoughts on it. We're a little late to the game on it, but fantastic series. Um, but before we get into all that, like I said, make sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69, YouTube, the same page, Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Teddy, I've spoken for a minute and a half now. How are you doing? Doing well. You know, is is 15 episodes enough to like, is that a milestone yet? Or do we have to wait for 25 before 20, 25, throw ourselves a little mini? 25. Okay. This, we'll right. call this so the, the Brandon Marshall yeah, so that's he good. Wore 15, I right? like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, cool. Brandon Marshall, the goat. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. Um, I'm excited for this episode. Excited to talk about the O line. Excited to talk about Flight 2022 because I mean, just like getting to immerse yourself in in the Jets for, you know, what two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah, it, right it, around it's, there. It's awesome. It's awesome. They have like a production company the way they do, and the people they have working for them like blow it out of the water. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, but I'm doing well. I feel a little more. I feel like the past few weeks on the pod, I've been like really revved up from like life before it. But, you know, kind of things are settling down. Today. Yeah, I didn't feeling, ask you before. Feeling, we'll, we'll, relax. Let's let's get a little bit of a river update. How's your dog doing? Healing all oh, right? he's good. He's good. So we broke the leg. It's been three weeks. He's been in his hard cast for two weeks. Um, so the plan is he's going to get some x-rays done on Monday. And then hopefully the following Monday, he will uh, be good to go and out of the, out of the cast. So two weeks left, hopefully, may, maybe longer, but that's what the doctors told us last week. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, he he runs around as if his leg is not broken. Oh, good. But so it's kind of we just have to restrain him. But nah, he's right. doing good. Good. That's good to hear. And one one big update that we both um, didn't intentionally do. We didn't say we were going to do, but we're, we're off the beer burps. For this episode, we're yeah. Gonna give that sadly, a, a, we're not drinking we're give that a anymore. Shot. We're I've sober got a now. Nice coffee here. Teddy has got a water. Uh, a lot of burps the last few weeks, and and um, with all of our beers. So <laughs> we're like the burping podcast. Yeah, we're the we're we're the only Jets podcast that burps for thirty minutes. Um, oh, wow. My dog found a toy. There we I go. Don't want him to have, so I'm gonna grab it right now. And. Uh, we're just gonna that was quick. Like that that, that was good. I didn't. He, even he brought it right to me. I think I he wants to, think to play of right to now. Say. That's I think good. he's trying to to play, and, and he's popping his head Let's up. Let's just so do a dog episode. Attention. Dog episode. Yes. So we're <laughs> gonna break down the dogs for the New York Jets. Um, no, a lot Teddy, of quickness, a lot of agility. Yes. Keeps his feet um, under him well. <laughs> Twenty pounds though, so <laughs> yeah, not, true. not really little gonna light, move little light. around that well. Um, so Teddy, a little bit of housekeeping as we always do. And, and like we've said, the last few weeks, it has been pretty empty with that. A uh, couple of things that we want to touch on. Um, one of them being star edge rusher, Carl Lawson, who we actually got to talk about last week in our reading the room series, 
likely there's a chance he's going to start the uh, training camp preseason area uh, on the physically unable to perform list, still nursing from his Achilles injury right before last season began. Um, seems more like the Jets are trying to play things patient, as we spoke about, um, Get make sure he is 150% or 200% ready to go when the season starts because he plays such a pivotal role for this defense. But uh, when you saw that, were you a little bit surprised at all by the timeline and and kind of him not being at 100% yet? Yeah, I wouldn't say surprised. I mean, uh, we, we talked about it a little bit um, before we started that a lot of these kind of Achilles injuries are having a shorter timeline, you know, nine, 10 months um, for some guys on, on your Colts. But just one of those things where obviously you would like to, to see him see him healthy, see him out there. But I do kind of lean on the side of of um, that he's going to be out there week one. Um, I think the Jets are probably, you know, just being precautionary. I'm hoping that is the case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not much to add from what you said. It's one of those things where where you don't love to see it, but it's not the end of the world. It's not like it's completely out of the ordinary for for an Achilles injury. Um, and it does seem like the Jets are being extra careful this year, trying to keep their guys on the field. Um, actually being able to be out there. So we'll hope for the best. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. The, the only thing that I don't love is you would like a guy to be in football shape by week one. And it's tough to get into that if you're not getting the reps in for the preseason. And I think, sure. you know, we started to see a lot of that with certain players the last few years, whether, you know, because of COVID, they got less time, you know, rookies were really struggling out of the gate because they hadn't gotten into football shape because of the the limited schedule they have. You know, Lawson being a guy that's, a bit into his career, hopefully in those prime year stages, I'm sure that he is, he knows what he needs to do to get his body ready. Um, and, and, you know, he's dealt with an injury before earlier in his career. So I'm sure he's figured out a way to best handle and prepare for, you know, missing some of those reps. Um, you'd, you'd love to see everybody healthy, you know, as far as where we're at right now, it's, it's not a bad injury list for the jets. I'm going to knock on wood on this table right now. Teddy's doing a, a sign of the cross. Um, so obviously things are pretty healthy right now for New York. Um, and then, you know, getting him back and making sure he's hundred percent ready will be nice. It's um, really the only other thing is like, you, you know, this, this defensive line, as we spoke about last week is so new together um, outside of, you know, Quinnen and John Franklin Myers um, that you really would love to see them all get pretty comfortable out there, especially given the, um, the start of the season and the difficulty of that schedule and the physicality of some of those offensive lines. I mean, you know, Cincinnati beefed theirs up, um, but it's still probably not that great. Baltimore is always going to be great. Pittsburgh's always going to have a good line. Cleveland's got a good line. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, correct important... me if I'm wrong, but the like has Lawson kind of had an injury history before the Jets, right? Yeah, this was early, early in his career. I believe it yeah. might have been the second season he missed the entire year. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, and then last year, so right. it's not, I mean, like, you know, it's what June 20, June 30th. Yeah. It's not the end of the world that, that, you know, he's not ready on June 30th, but it is one of those things where, you know, you got to avoid that injury prone kind of narrative. You got to avoid Like at some point we need to see Carl Lawson out there. You know, we signed him. It's been a year without seeing him any games. Like I just want to see him out there. So you do worry a little about that. It's not like it's a new injury, though. It's it's him recovering from his old injury. Hopefully the Jets are are just taking it easy on him, not not trying to lose him before the season starts. So right. we'll wait and see. Nothing to panic about yet. But 
exactly. The the other funny thing, just like looking at his game log, he's only started 14 games in his career, which is kind of yeah. funny. But yeah, um, to to have all those expectations that he does, but obviously, hopefully, he uh, lives up to those. But that's that's one piece of news that we had. And then Teddy, you were you were on the Twitter sphere diving through Jets Twitter the other day and found a nice piece, kind of um, just a hypothetical trade out there. Um, so kind of talk to me about a little bit of what you saw, what you read, yeah. and because I thought I don't, it was interesting. Yeah, I don't necessarily know where this started because I did, you know, I was looking, I was trying to get some more information on it and a couple sources have kind of covered it and and talked about it. I don't know if that's all stemming from one, but the, the person I saw was Paul Andrew Esden Jr. Want to give credit where mm-hmm. credit's due. Um, just put out an article kind of talking about a possibility that the Jets would trade for Isaiah Simmons. Um, Isaiah Simmons was out of Clemson um, a few years back and kind of a defensive back linebacker hybrid, kind of one of those players. I remember in the draft process, just kind of no one really knew where he was going to fit, but he kind of just has this, you know, otherworldly athleticism, the type of guy who, who a lot of people thought was going to be a huge star. You know, he hasn't had a bad first two years, but just hasn't been great hasn't been the player that that he was drafted to be um and so this paul guy he wrote an article you know just about the possibility of the jets trading for him um and it is interesting because we've gone through we've been doing our reading the room series um i think that linebacker was our weakest position that that we both graded out i think we both gave him a d minus um so the need is there and when you look at the type of player or yeah, type of player, I guess, in person that Isaiah Simmons is. He's he's this kind of guy who had sky-high expectations, has athleticism off the charts, but just hasn't really lived up to those expectations, which is in line with what Robert Sala and Joe Douglas have done the past year, year and a half, two years. Um, I feel like that's kind of one of Joe Douglas's favorite things to do is try to find these guys with untapped potential, try to put them um, – try to get them to like succeed. And I don't think we've seen that come to fruition yet, but at some point, you know, one of these guys will hopefully hit Um, maybe that's underselling him. Some of the guys we've signed have come out of nowhere, but um, yeah, I just think it would make a lot of sense if we did, obviously who knows what the market actually is, who knows how bad the Cardinals actually want to trade him. Um, But yeah, I mean, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean Isaiah Simmons is a like you know coming out of college a freak athlete, and and that was the thing is just like okay, what's his role going to be? And whenever that's the case with a player, it takes a lot of time to really figure that out. There's not a guy, you know. I, I guess the only guy people were wondering like, is Micah Parsons going to be a linebacker? Is he going to be a defensive end? And it turned out it didn't matter. He was going to be fucking fantastic at either. Um, but Isaiah Simmons, it was like, okay, safety linebacker, where is he going to be? The the right defense is so important for a guy like that. And Arizona, I, it, it just never really was a great fit. Um, and now, you know, you're a couple years in and you're like, okay, well, he he's not living up to the potential on our team, but maybe he can provide value to a different, you know, kind of scheme. Um, so yeah, why not put him out there as trade bait? They went and they doubled up. They took another linebacker in the first round in the 2021 draft. So it's like, okay, they're either just really loving these linebackers or they understand that they might've made a little bit of a mistake the year prior. So, you know, if Isaiah Simmons is available, I don't think the asking price would be much at all. Cause I don't think he's been fantastic, but um, like you said, a perfect fit 
at a position desperately needed in, in New York, just given how thin they are at linebacker. You know, we've talked about how they're taking a look at Quan Alexander and Quan Alexander had a lot of success in this defense, but he's not that Quan Alexander. He, you know, is very inconsistent, hasn't been able to stay healthy and is old. Um, <laughs> so, you know, buying in on guys that, you know, as like, like we said, and we'll talk about in this um, flight 2022 series, like buying into these guys as they're about to take off is huge. And I think for Isaiah Simmons, he probably just needs a different situation to become that jets would jets would be a perfect opportunity for that. So yeah, not that, and not that it's like you said, it hasn't been like reported, like, Oh, the jets are like deep into trade talks with the Cardinals about Isaiah Simmons. Right, but right. I think as we get closer to the season, it, it, a lot of it plays into what Carolina or uh, Arizona looks like, how comfortable they feel with their other linebackers, because at the end of the day, they're not just going to give them away if they don't feel comfortable with the rest of the room. And linebacker is one of those positions that across the league is pretty uh, scarce. And so you would have to feel really good about some of your other guys there to go ahead and, and trade away a top 10 asset or a former top 10 pick is what I mean. But um, if they feel comfortable with that, why wouldn't the Jets make that call? Yeah. And I think that's kind of like what it comes down to is, is the Cardinals aren't going to give him up for nothing. Um, just cause that name values there, he was a top 10 pick and it, uh, right. it's not like he's done horrible. You, 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 you're just exactly right that it, it just hasn't been a great fit. So, you know, I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about. I think, uh, I think what I saw a lot was, um, the comparison to Fred Warner, you know, for Robert Sala taking a guy, converted defensive back to a linebacker mm -hmm. um, who really became a star, you know, and I think it's kind of just looking for that type of, of opportunity where, where we're going to turn a player who's not reaching his potential to one of the best at his positions, you know? So mm -hmm. if we get Isaiah Simmons. I'd, I'd be all about it. I think he'd be a, a starter right away with us. Would be very fun. Oh yeah. Yep. He would definitely fill in right on those, one of those outside spots. Um, so yeah, that's really all we had for, for housekeeping. Teddy, you, you ready to put a bow on this reading the room series? Yeah. One position group left. Alrighty. I Offensive think it's been a, a fun, fun time. And I'm excited to see the, uh, the final graphic the with all our card. grades. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yes. And then we can look back halfway through the season and be like, Oh yep. We really overhyped the, these positions. Yeah. We <laughs> underhyped is wrong. what I'm hoping. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully that. <laughs> Um, all right, Teddy. So the offensive line, I think the best way to do this is just go starter by starter, left to the right side, finish up with a few depth guys. Um, number one, left tackle, George Fant, leader of the offense. Um, you know, someone that we continue to talk about, you know, he's in contract negotiations with an extension with the Jets. And, and the biggest thing then, you know, the biggest reason um, outside of him just being a, a comfortable fit at left tackle is his impact in the locker room and his leadership that he brings to the offense. So clearly a super important guy in that aspect. Fantastic and one-on-one -on -one pass protection. Um, the team as a whole struggled a little bit in those non-one-on-one -on -one pass situations, passing guys off. And I think that happens more when you've got a few weak, weak links on the inside and, um, and hopefully they've, they've patched those up. But um, he's a great leader. Great in one-on-one -on -one pass protection, which is what you need out of a left tackle, especially for a young quarterback. And then he's also great at not drawing penalties. I think he had maybe, what, four last year. It was somewhere in the four to seven range. I can't remember, but not many at all. So he's great in that aspect. Um, one thing that you take a look at in terms of, and I guess this is more of the left side of the line, where they struggled a little bit was in um, zone run blocking, which 
as we'll talk about in a little bit with Lakin Tomlinson, does that help fix that? Um, is that why Elijah Vera Tucker's over on the right side? Both of those two, Fant and Elijah Vera Tucker, had the lowest zone run blocking grades this past season. So maybe that's why they're switching things up. Um, in total, and, and specifically with Fant, too, I think he was the worst at gap blocking uh, this past year. And I think that's just this team is built to be a zone blocking team. So and it's going to be what they run 90% of the time. So I'm not too worried about it. And I, I'm getting more into, I guess, the line as a whole. But George Fant, um, his impact, what he brings to the table. What are what are your thoughts on, on the Jets left tackle? Yeah, I mean, I think those those points about, you know, just the the struggle in the zone run blocking and and if that's kind of why AVT moved and, and yeah, that's moving away from fan a little, but I do think that's just kind of an interesting thing to think about. And maybe that is why they want to shuffle this up a little bit. Um, you also got to throw in that Lakin was the, the left guard already, but, yeah. but mm -hmm. in terms of fan just specifically, I mean, yeah, you, you, you did a great job kind of giving the overview. He, he played his butt off last year, you know, like he was, he was, he outperformed my expectations. I think he outperformed everyone's expectations. Um, I guess my only thing with Fant is, and you know, it could just be like pessimism or whatever, but it, you, it does creep in your mind that this is a guy who two years ago, three years ago, you know, we all kind of hated because it was yep. like, this guy stinks, you know, and he's doing nothing. Um, what I do think, you know, he moved to the, the left side, which is more of his natural position. So that obviously, um, helps him. And then I also just think that, you know, we're here year two in, in a scheme, um, which there wasn't a lot of consistency these past few years with the jets. Um, I think, you know, it's a scheme we can believe in. I think we've talked about it again and again, but adding tight ends who are going to be able to block, help him out a little bit, um, adding Lakin on the line. I just think Fant has shown that he can be a really consistent player and sometimes you know pretty great player and i think that especially with the line that we've put together he's not someone we have to worry about at all you know even if he doesn't come out and and completely dominate like he did last year and just be the best lineman on our team i think that uh you you're you're at least not gonna get the worst out of him and i think that's really important in offensive line i think a lot of times with offensive line you just need average or better and i think george fan is definitely better um so, yeah, I mean, feeling good about it. I don't, I don't, I, I think me and you might see differently on this, but I do kind of, I don't expect it to be as clear as George Fant is just the left tackle. I think that um, definitely like if Makai Becton can get back on the field and starts to play, I think that will be kind of like a competition-esque thing. Um, but, you know, that all depends on Makai actually playing first. So right now, George Fant is the left tackle. I do. I do like that you brought that up. So you would even say that, you know, you, we just spoke about how Fant improved getting back to that left side and being more of an efficient player over there. Is that something that you think he could take that to the right side and be just fine now with with some better players around him? Or because like to me, when I look at him, I think given his age as well, too, and it just at least the the confidence that you can have in him. And actually one of my favorite points of the flight 2022 series um, kind of relates to this, his reliability. I would think don't mess around with that. Keep him on the left side. Becton's got all the time in the world to be that left tackle, but he has to prove that he can be that I would say. And since that is the most important position of the line, I would just think you had a really solid year out of Fant. You probably don't have too many more left. 
So instead of trying to maybe mess with his mojo, I, I would just want to keep him out there and say, Becton, you know, stay on that right side. You're the future left tackle, but you have to kind of earn that, I feel like. Yeah, I don't hate that thinking at all. You know, I really don't. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess all that creeps in my mind is is like when we did see Becton out there two years ago, you know, yeah. I mean, he was like basically playing at an all pro level, you know, right. and was dominating. Well, that's good so so the only, you know, obviously it just comes down and and this is good. You know, this is how we want it to come. It's down. a good problem. To have. It, it just comes down to like, is the line going to be better having Fant left Becton right? Or is the line right. going to be better having, you know, and, and obviously that's just all kind of how, how it's going to go down in camp. And, and it's one of the things I'm really excited to just be on the lookout for. Um, I think everything you said made a lot of sense. And I think like, thinking about it that most likely that that will be what happens especially thinking that um in the nfl you know a lot of times players do play right tackle for a while and then move to left tackle that's mm -hmm. not like unheard yeah. of yeah. um so yeah super good point i just think i at least am excited to see if there is a competition you know right. it's just something to keep our eye on for sure by the way when we get to Beckton, like we can just like clip our last five episodes yeah true because we've talked about him every week on yeah um, we'll get to him eventually but let's go to left guard the new guy in town lake and tomlinson oh, yeah. um you know we when he first signed i think everybody was like well avt had such a great you know rookie season all pro left guard like lake will just slide right over to the right side because he's experienced and it's like no he is going to be on that left side and i think um you know, you're protecting the quarterback's blind side. It's a position that he's played. He was just a Pro Bowl left guard. So why mess with that? And that's kind of the same conversation we kind of just had with Fant. But he comes in now on that three-year deal. One of the biggest acquisitions that the Jets had this past offseason. Um, you know, the, the Jets had a, a rookie guard last year um, who turned out to be a very talented player. They had another guard that it was just the – the bottomless pit of this offensive line. So being able to replace that with Lagan Tomlinson, one of the biggest upgrades the team had made um, since, since last season, he's consistent in both the run and pass game. He's physical and um, available. I think it's like what, yeah. 81, 81 starts in a row. Now one of the best uh, run zone blocking left guards in the game, Teddy. Uh, yeah. I, he's I'm, great to have. Yeah, I mean, he he outside of Makai, you know, who obviously didn't play last year, but he's like the only new starter on the line. Um, but the the amount that he improves this line at an overall level is, you know, it's huge. Like mm -hmm. looking at these five guys and replacing Lake and Tomlinson with, a, you know, whoever van Dermott or van roten exactly <laughs> yeah like on, you know those guys stink you know and lakin tomlinson was a pro bowler last year um we've talked about it before but i love i love these guys who um you know played with salah before i just mm -hmm. think that's you know you have that connection of not only is he a good player but he's a good player who's done well um with those same type of guys you know with with guys on the offensive coaching staff and he's a guy who's obviously has that high character, um, you know, and again, this is something we're going to talk about when we, when we talk about flight 2022, but, but it, he's just one of those high character, high leadership guys, you know, the jets have been consistently like bringing in the right type of people and, you know, plenty of people had, had their um, 
in their opinion, had him as the number one guard over, over a guy like Brandon Scherf last year uh, in free agency. So like, he's a very good player. We got him. Um, I think he was our first off season addition, you know? So it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it is. I couldn't be more excited to see him out there. And just, you know, well, to talk about like the right guard switch, I mean, we'll talk about Tucker in a, in a bit. Um, But yeah, I think, I think this more so than the Fant Becton thing is a scenario where Tomlinson's been a, a left guard. He's done it at a Pro Bowl level, and you have Vera Tucker, who has so much experience moving and playing different. I mean, this will be four or five years in a row that Vera Tucker's playing a different position, you know. So it's not like mm-hmm. that's new to him. Um, so I do think that that that's kind of the right move, and I think that's going to be something that's not really. Um, a question mark in camp is are they going to end up switching those guys yeah i they have they have good problems on the offensive line um and you know we'll move on to the middle of the line which i have right here it's the weakest link of the offensive line but it's not necessarily a weak link uh connor mcgovern in there at center uh bounce back year after after an injury the year prior coming over from dallas as well too also you know played pretty well despite like we were just you know i, I don't mean to just poop on ben roden but you know, it makes life hard for a <laughs> we center can poop when, he on Van Rowe and... when, when he has one of the worst guards playing next to him. That doesn't make your life easy as a center. Um, so, you know, he's in there. He had a, a weird offseason. And I think because the Jets were so active and because center is not the most important position, this didn't get talked about much. But there was a point where um, the Jets were ready to, to kind of cut bait with him. And they had been flirting with Ryan Jensen. Brady comes back. Jensen spurns them to go back to Tampa. And um, I think it just kind of anything shows you, you know, he's back. He's got another year left on his deal, but it, it seems like the Jets put such a priority into upgrading this offensive line that if he's not out there and is like a, a very, you know, good center, they'll probably move on from him next off season uh, when his contract runs up. So he's in a contract year. It's a big season for him. It's nice to, be in this situation like if it was a contract year this past season where he had shitty and inconsistent guard play and offensive line play around him that's one thing but he's in a really good position now two great guards next to him one of the best offensive lines in football to really um not not be great but to not look bad and and so i just i think he's in a good scenario so take me through um a guy that you know yeah i think there's one of two ways yeah I think there is two, there's two types of Jets players that I've learned over the past, you know, 10 to 15 years. And there's the ones that are pretty bad, but we think are better than they are, you know, and there's the ones that are pretty good. And we all kind of hate as Jets Mm. fans and think are bad. I like that. Yeah. Um, And Connor McGovern, especially last year, was one of those guys where like he really wasn't all that bad. And especially you take into to, um, account the, the poor guard play, um, you take into account just, you know, bad, pretty bad team overall. A lot of injuries. Makai Becton's not out there. You know, we had Dan Feeney in for some games like it's not like we had the strongest line. Connor McGovern, especially just compared to other centers, you know, was pretty average last year. Um, so I do think that was kind of an interesting point in the offseason when we were thinking like, OK, are we going to move on? Sure, if we could have up, upgraded to a Ryan Jensen, that's a pretty easy, um, pretty easy question to answer. But then you look at kind of some of these other middle of the road guys and it's like, are you really 
are you really going to get any more out of them than you're going to get from McGovern? Um, so I do agree. I mean, he is the weak, weakest link, but I don't think he's really all that bad. And I think like we as Jets fans hate him more than maybe he deserves. I mean, I still think he kind of blows, but you know, not, not terribly. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's fine. I, it's definitely a position that like, I would like to have the long-term answer at, you know, you want to have that Nick Mangold. I would have, what do you got to say? I see. I'm just going to say your... like, to me, it's so funny because I always thought of that the same way with the Colts because of Jeff Saturday. And I, I don't mean to say that it's not an important position, but it's like, it's not. It, it's definitely important. I think. I think I it's mean... the least important along the line. Dude, I just don't think maybe, that's true. Maybe I mean, like I'm the, maybe the, I'm just not seeing it because I've never had bad center play. Like we brought in Ryan Kelly right after, and he has been a very serviceable, good. He's made a Pro Bowl or two, so I've never had like terrible center play. But I don't know. I've never looked at it as like the most important part. So tell me, tell me why. Yeah, I'm a I just I think what's that. important about center is just the like the 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 calls that you have to make at the line you know you're the one kind of directing everything and and pointing things out to your to you know to your quarterback to your other linemen you're making you're making some audibles maybe not audibles but just like kind of identifying um the defense and helping getting those play calls correct so gotcha you know it is important and obviously that can that can vary scheme to scheme um and you know i'm not gonna act like i'm like an o-line guru who knows you all, know the, more all the, ins about and out. the the intricacies yeah, of for sure. on that team though than i do um i just think that you know it, it's an important position it's not the end of the world to have a guy like Connor mcgovern but what worries me is like like right now the backup center on the depth chart is dan feeney who's more of a guard right you know and then and then Connor mcgovern like you said probably not going to be signed last year so or next year so i do just kind of worry about I'm not even really worry because it's like, sure, maybe we can just sign McGovern again if he has a pretty uh, decent year for, for not mm-hmm. a ton of money, or maybe we can find another guy. But but I would definitely love, like I would have loved to somehow pick up Linderbaum this year um, or just one of these guys yeah. that I think can come in and really hold down the fort. Obviously, it's easier said than done to just get a player like that. Um, but I do wish that the center was a little, at least – a little more reinforced with some depth because if Connor McGovern goes down, like you're not feeling confident about your center play. Well, at least Feeney and, and Wilson are best friends. I'm sure they, that's they true. Slap ass a lot. That's true. They are great. best friends. It, you, you do make a good point. You know, every time that a center gets injured in a game and then you have that backup, and then come the backup in center and like comes the in first it. play. Yep. He just yep. has a terrible every snap. time. It's a good point. Yeah, Every I don't know. Time. I guess I just always think of what I guess when I think of positions that to me don't matter, it's because they lack the most talent at the front. But you know, like the best centers, like it's not right. like a deep list of great centers, but that's also probably because a lot of the best offensive linemen play left tackle or they're at other positions. So maybe it's just the fallout of that. But yeah, no, you're right. It's more important than than I'm probably giving it credit for because you're right, you know, calling out the pre-snap assignments and kind of helping be the quarterback of the offensive line probably is an extremely important asset to have. Um, So yeah, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like we were saying, this is a good offensive line um, if all five are healthy. And if you're even just a little bit below average, it's probably not going to show as much around other guys that are, you know, toward the top of their position. So 
he's a guy to kind of circle and be like, I'm, I'm just curious because it can go one of two ways. It can either be like he sticks out like a sore thumb or he, we don't even notice it because everybody else is doing so well and, and the unit just meshes together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, moving along to the right side, AVT. Uh, we talked about him earlier. Moving over from left guard to right guard, as you mentioned, played a ton of positions in college, came in all, all rookie left guard in his first season. Um, to me, and and I don't know, I, I to me, he's one of the most exciting assets for the team. I, I When guys just come out from day one and are instant impact starters, that's to me like, okay, I don't have to worry about this position for X amount of years. And he did that. And, and now he's also solving another problem by just switching over to a different position and covering that hole. Um, in terms of like, you've lived through so many terrible draft picks and, and all of us have all of us, every team has dealt with terrible draft picks and terrible free agent signings. Even though he's at a position like guard that people don't look at as like a sexy position. What was it like seeing him have such a, a, a good solid rookie season? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I do think the Jets have had way more bad draft picks in the past 10 yeah. years than a lot of other teams. Yeah, I don't that's a know good point. <laughs> if I don't know, thinking back through the years, if I could find any other guard draft pick that we've had that was remotely decent. Um, that's a good point. But no, I mean, it's awesome. And and like, you, you know, you're kind of given the the like, yeah, I mean, I know he's just a guard. Like, I do not care that he's just a guard like We've talked about it before. Like you cannot, you can say guards not a premier position. The offensive line is so important. The interior mm -hmm. offensive line is so important. I mean, we've had plenty of years where we had decent tackles, and the inside of like three guys are just horrible, and it and it you know ruins the offense. And I just think that having someone as solid, what I loved about him when we traded up for him was he was kind of the only um, guard in that class that was like a you can plug him in right away and he's going to be good type of guy. And then that's the expectation that he lived up to, yeah. you know? So I have, I mean, I have high expectations for him. I think he should go out there and be an all pro next year. Um, or at least in that conversation, yeah. you know, but, but I definitely just think that there's no reason he shouldn't ascend to being, you know, top two, three, four, five guards in the league and, and continue to be here for five, 10 years. And I think that's, you know, very, very exciting. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I, I, I scoffed a little when you said, um, all pro when you said all pro, but right guard is also one of those positions where like, kind of like with tackles, the best ones play left guard. So let me just go through this because yeah. Quinn Nelson plays left guard. I think Zach Martin is the one that still stays on the right side. I think he's the one that's always just been a right guard, but yeah, all of the top guys really play on that left side. So it, it's not, unfair to say that he could be one of the top two or three right guards in football next year, um, which is crazy, but he, he had such a good rookie season that that's kind of where the bar is. I, I was going to say pro bowl, um, which I think is totally obtainable, especially if the jets come out and have one of the most productive run games. Like I think when you're guard, when you're judging an offensive line success, like especially for an interior position, it's more looked at with the run game and, and just how consistently all five move together um, tackles I feel like just benefit a little bit more for how they do in pass protection but um, ABT could go out there if the Jets are one of the top running offenses and certainly take up that spot so um, I'm trying to think it 
I don't want to put you on the spot here in terms of like young assets on this team. Ah, that's that's not fair. There's too many new. I mean, there's guys so many. Yeah, it's hard, but... especially with this past rookie, like this rookie draft, and them getting three first round picks and Brees Hall. It's tough to say like where AVT is on that list, but outside yeah. of the guys, when you think yeah. about when you think about last year's draft class and this year's draft class, and kind of like the the premier guys. So you know, you have Wilson, you have um, give me AVT. the guys, Wilson, AVT. Michael Carter, Elijah Moore Elijah from Moore. last year. And then this year you have um, Sauce, uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine. Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall. So, like, that's a list of eight guys. Elijah Vera Tucker is already the most established out of those guys and kind of the one I think we have to yeah. worry about the least. So, when you're thinking Definitely. about this young core that we're building and, you know, those eight guys are kind of, the the core of okay where can we start and grow this team um i think that you can't overstate the amount that like he has separated himself at least for now you know and elijah moore had a great year last year you know ended on an injury which wasn't great um michael carter had a great year like these guys it's not like they they didn't establish themselves because they very much did and i think all those guys showed that they belong on an nfl field but but avt is the one who who out of those out of that core he's like the one piece where you're like yes that is going to be the core going forward um right. and there's not really as many question marks so so yeah i mean I, you, I don't think you can understate his value i don't think he's just like a a throwaway pick yeah no i he's obviously he's solid he's pick, but. right <laughs> all right and let's get the last let's get fatty out of the out of the, the conversation come on bro don't be saying that dude Makai Becton's going to come out yeah. with a shirt that says freaking chasing 69 sucks or Think something. something. He's just, it's just going to say fatty. God, what are you doing to us? No, nah, I'm just kidding. That's fine. <laughs> when Look, it. we don't, like I said, we do not need to talk about this because we have for six weeks. All of the eyes are on him because of his potential, because of the weight scenario. And, and now he's, you know, 100% cleared from his injury to play. Um, time to show everybody that you can be the future franchise left tackle that you are supposed to be, that we saw you be a little bit in your rookie season. Um, to me, the only thing that I want to talk about with him is like, if, if he's not ready, if he's not starting out there week one and say it, it this thing goes South, like what do the jets do? Cause this kind of ties into a conversation around the bench guys, unless you want to say anything else about Becton that we we have no but, no I I we don't like what, I don't want to spend a ton of time but I do just the only thing yeah. I want to say is like at the end of the day I'm 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 on Makai Becton's like side like I'm rooting for him I'm not like yeah, I'm I, I just are. want to like go on the record and say that you know but We're, we but, all are Matt but God. yeah he I call is, you fatty but I would love for you to be great <laughs> Yeah. And he is, is, I mean, he's a question mark. Like we've talked about it before. And I think, I think so many people feel like they have to give analysis and they have to pick a side and, and it's like, sure, that's great. But at the end of the day, Makai Becton is a question mark. Like we, he's either going to go out there and be really good. He's going to go out there and underperform, or he's going to not be able to get out there because of his injuries and his weight and all that shit. So we just got to see how it goes. Um, but I guess real like before we just even talk about the depth guys, when you look at those five guys we just talked about, I mean, this O-line looks great. It, it really I mean, it feels like there's not a ton of holes. It feels like your your worst player is Connor McGovern, who's not really that bad, doesn't really 
he's not a guy who's going to like cause a lot of he's problems. Mm-hmm. So that is great. Um, but then just, you got to think of the possibility. Obviously all these guys can get injured. Um, and Makai Becton, who knows what's going to go down. And then that'll bring us into, you know, the depth pieces. So I think because we're talking about Makai, it's, it's best to talk about the tackles, you know, we can talk about the yeah. two kind well, of main that, tackles and two main brings, guards. Yeah. My, my question is Becton's not ready week one, where are the jets going? We've got a rookie and a guy that got brought back in. Um, this past off season, what do you think? Yeah. So, so the options, you know, Connor McDermott, um, we, I believe signed him this year again to a one-year deal or was, is this just his yep. last? Yeah. So we signed no, yeah, him, brought him, and he brought him back in. Um, you know, when I was looking at this, I kind of just wanted to see like, how much did we actually invest? You know, one and a half million, not a huge deal for a veteran Nothing. at all. Um, and then the other options, uh, Max Mitchell, you know, who's the rookie, um, that we took in the fourth round. Um, I definitely want to hear your analysis on him over mine, but I do, you know, just quickly to answer your question, Connor McDermott is the easy answer. You know, he's yeah. established, he's been in the league, he's been on the jets. We brought him back. You assume you brought him back for a reason, but you know, best case scenario is obviously going to be that this fourth round pick shows that, that, okay, yeah, you need a guy to step in. I'm that guy. You know, yeah. maybe he could be a, a guy who sticks. Um, but yeah, I mean, tell me a little about where your thinking is. And, and especially I'd like to hear, you know, your your kind of analysis of Max Mitchell because you're the draft guy, you know. Yeah, to me, the answer is neither of these guys. And hopefully it's Riley Reef uh, at the end of the day. Like, fuck. <laughs> like number one, I, I just, you know, we they've been meeting with Riley Reef. My hope is, is like if if Becton's not ready, they're bringing Reef in like the next day. Um, and I would still just bring him in just in case, because I, I don't like we, you can't you have too many good can't, you can't, well, and you can't pieces. trust Becton yet. He hasn't earned the trust of this team. And we're, I'm so excited to talk about this with flight 2022, because it's my favorite part of the entire series. Um, so to me, the top option is Riley Reef. Now, if they don't do that, it's Connor McDermott. He's had experience at both tackle positions. Max Mitchell to me is a guy that like, if we're going to slow play a fourth round pick and hopefully he could be like a fringe starting right tackle, he'd be perfect for that because right now he in college, he struggled with bigger pass rushers. He was not, he doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the athleticism. That's something that is going to take time and in the weight room to get up to, because it's not only like, it's not just that he's in the NFL. Now it's like, he struggled to handle it in college as well too. So strength one-on-one pass, uh, uh, situations, just not his game right now. He is so technically sound as an offensive lineman. Um, and, and there was a clip like you mentioned to me before we did the show in flight 2022, where he is, he makes this great recovery and his footwork is unbelievable. Some of the best footwork of the tackle class um, of this past draft great in, in pass protection, in terms of him just being, um, you know, set in his stance and, just the technique is there. So to me, he's a guy that in his head has the makings of being like a, a good offensive tackle. Um, and, and, and good is in the sense of like, he needs to be bigger. He needs to be stronger um, to even be close to being a starting tackle. But I would rather have a guy and try and build that up in the weight room than to have a guy that's really unrefined and and, you know, doesn't understand his, his pass rush technique or his, his pass blocking technique and doesn't have, you know, 
good footwork. He's clunky. I, I, I like the player, but to me, he's more of like a two years down the road when he's hit the weight room and they, they've got him eating, eating his Wheaties every morning. Yeah. And I mean, that's not, that's not a bad thing, you know, but it he's just a comes down pick. to whether we're going to need him. Um, yeah, exactly. Obviously I think the, the jets, you know, seem pretty bought into him, but obviously they yeah. just picked him. So why wouldn't they be? By the way, what's what's that other tackles name from the McCagnan era that's still around? We we didn't put him in this list, but um, yeah, I'm gonna pull it up right now. The um, other t- oh Chuma Adoga. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Chuma Adoga. Yeah, he's, he's a guy there. who I don't ever want to see in again. But you know, the thing is with Ola, like I mean, it is hard to like watch the O line during the game, right? Like a lot of. Like where yeah, you actually where like, the, obviously yeah. when guys are horrible, it's not where the action is. So that's the thing with like a lot of these guys who are just kind of like fringe starters, backups who, who played like with Gase and like, you know, um, 2018, 2019, like guys who are around then, like they just have such a bad taste in my mouth. They like, yeah, because of how bad. just horrible they were. So that, I mean, I think Connor McGovern, you know, I, he was around two years ago. Like I think, Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of the reason why Jets fans kind of yeah. don't like him, even though he isn't that bad. Right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, O-Tackle, um, depth, I don't love it. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a- as bad. I think that, like, my on my feelings on the Jets' depth pieces um, going into this and then coming out of this, I think I'm higher on the depth than I thought I was. I don't think they have... Okay as many issues as they need. And a lot of that comes down to um, the guys we'll talk about next when we talk about guard, but I, I am higher up on like these, these backups um, than I was going in. I think a a big reason for that is, is I kind of forgot that we had signed Nate Herbig um, off the Eagles practice squad. And I mean, he's not like a player who's, you know, that I'm going to like really trust and really want out there. But what he is, is a guy who, um like last year i think he played in all the games but he only started five games last year started 12 games in 2020 um this is going to be going into his fourth year in the league so i just like the idea that we signed a guy was there with joe douglas um in the eagles so joe douglas has some experience with him and has played you know has just like been out on the field and gotten some experience i just think that's kind of undervalued when you think about a lot of these depth pieces that, that, you know, are only making one or $2 million a year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you mix him with Dan Feeney, um, kind of the guard center combo, best friends with, with Zach Wilson. I like 100% think that if he wasn't best friends with Zach Wilson, they wouldn't have resigned him. I don't like they could have easily signed another guard or and, and not like another guy Feeney, to fill that way, role too. There, there's two guys on the on the that are Who on the team right now. Braxton. Not Braxton. No. Braxton. No. Yes. They talk about it in the in the flight 2022. No. Okay. That's important. And you know, I, my thing with Braxton and and you know, may I I don't know if I have well, like notes about it. this. Let's save it. Let's save it. Let's let's yeah. finish up the offensive line. Braxton's we'll underrated. All right. Keep going. All right. Well, I mean, that's really. The, it. I mean, I, I don't. Okay. I don't hate Herbig. I think he's, I think it's like good that we added a player who's just started games, been out there. And then Dan Feeney, I don't like, like, I don't really think he's all that good, but he's been around. He obviously gets along with the team. He obviously um, is familiar with the system since he was there last year. So, 
if any of these guys have to step in, I don't like, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. It's obviously not ideal, but I don't think it's the end of the world. If any of these four backups that we touched um, have to kind of get the nod. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I really, I just think overall this is not 100% what it needs to be, but it's a lot closer than that. Maybe I would have told you last week before really diving into these guys. Yeah. My thing with the the bench, you know, last week we talked about the defensive line and just how fucking deep it is. The offensive line, to me, no no team has good offensive line depth, and and the reason for that is is because you most teams expect their offensive line to be out there, and um, you know, frankly, for five positions and and guys play one specific position, there's just not a ton of great talent out there. So I don't I don't know what team I'm going to be looking at and be like. You know, their offensive line depth is fantastic. To me, it's one of those position groups like and and you really only notice it when the injuries happen and it sucks when it happens. You know, the, the Colts lost Anthony Costanzo, who retired last, uh, you know, two off seasons ago. It sucked at left tackle for the Colts last year. Um, but to me, when you have five good starters, really all it takes is just consistency there. If one guy misses and you plug in another, it's not the end of the world. You know, like I said, the Colts had a left tackle problem, but they were still the number one rushing team in the league, had one of the best offensive lines. And so you can kind of get by with subpar depth on the offensive line, as long as it's not like three guys are injured. That's when it gets problematic. And if you're at that point, that's just an unlucky season because you're not really supposed to lose those guys. Now it doesn't help that Becton is already has those kind of scares a little bit and that fans a little bit older. But um, when I think of the interior guys specifically, cause we were just mentioning, like, I agree her big and, and Feeney aren't, they're, they're not starting caliber players, but the hope is, is that Lakin who's been in there for 81 straight games is that type of player. And that AVT on the other side as well, too, um, who I don't believe has injury history at all, kind of replicates that same thing. So, um, Teddy, I'm going to give my grade out. I give this offensive line a B plus. Um, and I, when you did this, are you are you basing it off of like Becton is the starting tackle? Like when you gave out your grade, because I guess I just am realizing like I uh, it's a B plus if Becton is out there. And um, but we talked about him as the starter, so I feel like it's fair to grade right. it as such. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way to kind of do it. Um, I'm, I'm going with a B and I think it's kind of baked into it. I think that, um, I mean, like I said, I think it's a really good offensive line. I think all five guys stay no top 10 best offensive lines. I mean, last year, our offensive line was good. Like that's something that a lot of people kind of like, don't give the, they're like, Oh, the offensive line stunk last year. That's why Zach Wilson stunk. And it's like, okay, well the offensive line was actually decent. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm giving them a B and that's kind of baked into it. I, I, I like think with, with maybe one more piece of depth, like maybe if they signed Riley reef and if Makai Becton was like, good to go, we, we expect him out there. He's playing. Like, I think I would have definitely given an a minus a, just because I, I do think there's not much more, other, other than like having an, an all-star guy who, you know, we're hoping AVT and Becton and, and even Lake and Tomlinson and, and Fant can be, you know, other than having like a, a premier, you know, whoever the best tackle in the league is, um, I don't really think there's much 
better the Jets could be doing right now. I, I, so I think I give them a B baking in the, the concerns with Becton and the lack of, of some depth, but I think at the end of the day, like it's still pretty solid. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think the thing with, with reef now, and I think this is like kind of where I'm at is I, I believe there's not a transaction done yet because he doesn't know if he's got a starting job. And I would feel like if you're a tackle that is in free agency and knows he is going to be a starter somewhere, probably is waiting for the team to be like, we actually need you right now. And the jets aren't at that point yet because they would hope to not need him right now. So I was wondering, cause like the, they met with him so long ago and it's like, why haven't they gotten something done yet? And it's probably just because he wants to be a starter next season if he's playing. And there's probably not that guarantee in New York right now. Yeah. I think your take on the right tackles was kind of like, it kind of made sense where, you're saying, okay, well, if Makai Becton ends up not being ready, not being able to play, like, what is the Jets' move? And it's I do be. think, like, that's the Jets' move, you know, is right, going out and signing go. him. Um, uh, what's the point of signing him in June when maybe you won't to be a bench him, guy, or you could figure out, right? So, and he so would yeah, look I at think, that as well too. He wants. Yeah. There's no way he's trying to be a bench guy for a team. Like he he wants to be a starter. That's he's been a right. starter his entire career. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it would be a, definitely a good move. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. The, but there it the goes. Few, yeah. One of the few position groups that I ended up giving a, a little bit higher of a grade on than you. So I'm glad we got to finish yeah. that off on a, on a positive note from Blake here. So yeah, good. I the B plus Teddy goes the B. And uh, that's the reading the room series. Very fun. Done. Very fun. It's fun to do. And um, Teddy, now we get to talk about flight 2022. So let's do it. I'm amped. The production is where I want to start off because I feel like we can dive into the specifics of it. Uh, but just like yeah. how well it was done. And there are every uh, there are a ton of great franchises out there that do these series and they're all fantastic because if you're a billion dollar corporation, you're going to have great aspects at, at every level almost. And and you know, I'm someone that the Colts have had one the last two or three seasons now that I love and they do it kind of, they drop it weekly throughout the off season. So it's always cool. Cause you're like catching up on what just happened like a week ago, instead of it being a few months back, but um, they crushed it with this. I love the people that they got on it. And I think that's just the allure of being in New York. You know, you have Schefter on there, you have rich eyes and narrating it, which like what could have been better? Who could have been more fit to narrate that series than Rich Eisen? Um, you have all the big guns out there talking about the Jets. Um, really well done. I love the looks that you got with some of the, the coaches and players in their home lives. Um, the behind the scenes access to who these people are outside of football was really cool. There's one guy I can't wait to talk about because I think I think for the most part, he, he stole the show as a, as a guy that maybe you didn't know a ton about, but after the series, you're like, man, I'm really rooting for this guy. I'm excited um, to, to hear who that is for sure. Yeah. Yep. And so um, I, I just thought it was really well done in, in as a whole, Teddy, uh, from a fan's perspective, because look, we talked about this last week. They want you to be excited about the team. So they're going to make this to make you excited about the team. But what what was going through your head when you finished it? Yeah. I mean, just to touch on the production quickly, I, I completely agree. I think. I see this take on Twitter all the time, like when hard knock season comes around, but, but people are always like, why do we need hard knocks? when we just have, have like these, these things that the jets put on every week, you know, and they, and they have episodes like this. I mean, obviously not the same thing, but things like this throughout the season. And, you know, for the past three or four years, I think they've had this kind of like one jets drive. 
um, production going on and it's, they, they nail it every time. Um, I think that's interesting because I especially have been saying that a lot about just, um, like, yeah, I mean, they put out what they want us to hear. And so obviously you're going to be excited. I think definitely when they're discussing free agents, that's prevalent. Um, but what I definitely think is that like in the draft, sure, they're only going to cut, they're going to cut it up in a way that it makes it seem like everything's going their way. But like basically in the draft, everything went their way. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, how, how should we, how should we go in this? I got a list Let's, of notes. You got a list of notes. I, I mean, do you want to go chronologically? Do you want to go? What, what are you, I, what are you thinking here? I think I said that at the beginning that I didn't want to do episode by episode, but I almost think now that that kind of makes the most sense now that I'm sitting here. Cause like it, it, it does break it down systematically through. Yeah. Yeah. Just let's just go for it. Um, I, right. I'll, I'll let you start if you're all right with that. And, and I'll yeah. jump in with, with things that I think. Yeah. So to me, episode one, you know, we're kind of just setting the stage for the early parts of free agency and the expectations of what they're looking to get off from this offseason. Um, one of the things that I think you you love seeing um, because they, they they took this plan and they put it into motion was bringing in free agents that have playoff experience. And it's the fact of this Jets team is extremely young, not a ton of great success for a lot of these players throughout their careers. They don't know what it's like to win in those big stages. And so what do they do? They go get Lakin Tomlinson, ton of playoff experience, been in a Super Bowl. Uh, they bring in Jordan Whitehead, has won a Super Bowl, playoff experience with Tampa Bay. DJ Reed has playoff experience with Seattle. Um, who else am I forgetting? Is there one other guy that's uh, playoff? Oh, Ozoma uh, this past season was Cincinnati. So like they were set, like Salah sitting there saying like, we need guys to kind of teach a young team how to win and what it means to be on that stage. So I really loved that. Um, kind of, I, I thought it was cool getting into Zach Wilson's house a little bit, seeing yeah. him talk about the rookie season, um, to me, because yeah, I mean, when you take a look at numbers wise, and it, we know it got better towards the end of the year, it wasn't a fantastic first rookie season. Um, but I liked that he kind of likened it to his first year in college. And it's just like, this is what I learned in my first year of college. This is what I learned in my first year of pros. And then in college, this is what I did to take steps into years two and three to eventually make me the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. So you're, you're just hoping that th those same things kind of click for years two and three in the pros. Um, yeah. Just to touch on that those quick. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Um, but with, with Zach Wilson, like he, he's always shown that he has like a good head on his sh shoulders and even like pre 2021 draft. Right. Is he that 20? Yeah. Um, even like before that, you know, what you heard about him was, was like, oh, he studies a lot of film. Like he's going out of his way. He wants to know the offense, wants to know his reads, like, and things like that, you know, make you confident just that he's putting in the work that, that he's, um, you know, that he's like trying to, to fix the things he was bad at. And I, I, I agree that the way he compared it to, well, I didn't do that great my first year, but then I was able to apply everything I learned, you know, it, it gives you hope because it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And that, that was one of his knocks, you know, when we drafted him was like, yeah, well, he had a good last year, but what about the right. year before? And it's like, hopefully he seems like the type of guy who's able to realize the mistakes he's making and then, you know, fix them. So, so I totally agree. Um, I'll let you keep going because I, 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 you know, I'll jump in, but 
you're yeah, doing good uh, here. The only other thing that I had from episode one was like some of the senior bowl footage. And this has nothing to do with the Jets necessarily, but like, you know, they were kind of hinting at some other guys that they were definitely interested in this oh, draft yeah. process. You know, Trevor Penning, uh, tackle out of Northern Iowa, freak athlete, kind of the same type of build as Becton, just not, I guess, more pro ready. So, and then the other guy was Perry on Winfrey, an interior defensive lineman from Oklahoma. Like you're seeing who they were, you know, at least a little bit interested in and who they thought would be good talent. So to me, not even from the aspect of like, oh, did they, did they mess up by not taking this guy or that guy? It'll be interesting to see like the guys that they liked, what careers do they they go on to have? Cause that's just going to be cool to see where like you can evaluate how they've drafted their own guys. But when you know that they've liked penning, he goes to the saints and say, he's a starter day one and, and Perry on Winfrey. You're like, okay, this front office does know how to recognize talent. Yeah. And in that same vein, I think the, uh, the, the scout who was going to, um, Aquan, Iki Aquan uh, uh, whatever pro day or they, right. That's what it was. They, they loved, loved him. him. Right. So which, much. which we all knew, you know, and, and, Obviously, that's not what they ended up doing, um, but it is, you know, it's just like, hey, we were all kind of right that they really loved this guy who a lot of other yeah. people loved. Um, and kind of in that vein, you know, directly associated, I, what I really liked, and I think this might have actually happened later, but they showed it in the first episode or something. But when Salah's just talking about, um, they're talking about, you know, draft picks or whatever, and you see him say, he says, when you have a game changing like edge, you know, that that's the, the easiest way to affect a football game is, you know, an elite game breaking edge. And he's like, does a does a game breaking corner have that same effect on a football game? You know, I'd argue yes. And it's like, I love that Stala, you know, he's not like he doesn't have all these like stupid like football rules that like we all seem to like take as gospel where he's like, yeah. oh, well, I'm not going to draft a corner in the top five. I'm going to draft an edge rusher. You know, he is able to recognize like, Hey, this corner might be um, an out of this world talent. And I still believe we can get, you know, help elsewhere. And I still think he'll be able to affect the game. So after all the conversations this off season, obviously we saw them take a cornerback. So that question was kind of answered for us, but it's just nice to see that like solid does think like that, you know, and he, he's not scared to kind of, be slightly different than maybe something other GM or other coaches would be scared to do. So yeah, I definitely, definitely. Like that. yeah. Anything else, anything else with the first episode, episode Good. two, Let's keep it rolling. Episode two gave me like my two biggest things. Yep. Um, I love that. And I'll let so you, the guy, so the guy that I mentioned first that, that like, I just like am rooting for so hard now. I'm such a big Mike LaFleur guy. Okay. I, I knew, I, I knew like, that's who it was going to be. And his like the way he sits down and kind of dissects the film. He's so I remember smart. in last year's flight, oh. 2021, I guess. Yeah. That was like my first real exposure to Mike LaFleur. This um, was mine, you know, yeah. and just hearing him talk and his football acumen and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't be high. I'm happy to hear you say this because like I really couldn't be higher on on him. And he, you know, had a rocky start which I attribute a lot to, to personnel last year, but I, I think he really showed a lot in his first season. So I definitely, definitely am, am on his side as well. So much to the point where I think if this, if this season does go well for the jets and, and it's like we said, good problems are good problems. He's, you know, the athletic just put out a piece yesterday and it's like the top 40 assistants under the age of 40. And he's on that list. It's like, 
if next season the Jets make this leap, he's the guy that's probably going to benefit from it the most because yeah, what what stands in the way of, of him getting ahead? Like he's he's so well respected. He's so intelligent. He's he's showing you that. I mean, he, you learn so much just by even just watching the few clips of him breaking down film. And um, yep. to me, he's a guy that like if next year goes well, what's what's the job opportunity? Because he's he should yeah. be in second round interviews for them. I'd like to think, you know, he needs at least one more year after that um, just because he is kind of young. But, I mean, we're obviously seeing that shift in, in yeah, that's coaching, totally you know. New, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to lose him. Obviously, we, we can't overhype him too much because we got to see him put it together. But right. But just with like if his creativity well. and, and, yeah, you know, the way the way you see him talking about his players, I think I think he's a good guy that we can we can be excited about. Um, yeah. Next thing I want to talk about is is Lake and Tomlinson. That was um, where I was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah just because and we just spoke about him a bunch, but this was true, a big episode true. for him. Yeah. What I liked, I mean, and and I'll kind of let you take the floor after this, but what I liked was when you show them dissecting film of these guys available for you. And and number one, you know, this was just an overall note of the show, but like you could not they could not instill more confidence in like their process to me, you know, like the way that they go about coaches identify what type of players they want scouts and front office people go after those specific type of players. They review them as a whole. They, they do their grading separately. Like I love everything about that. And then when you hear John Benton, the, or the offensive line coach, you know, say my number one guard, Lake and Tomlinson, and then you have another guy saying, yeah, I actually have him over, over Scherf, you know, like mm-hmm. that just like gets me so excited because, because not only did we sign one of these top guys, but in, in coaches on our team, you know, they were their number one guy and that's who we got. So, so just to yeah. be able to see that and like, you know, maybe a few years ago, Lake and Thompson wouldn't have wanted to sign with the Jets, you know, but now with Robert Sala here, a coach he's familiar with, you know, we're able to get him in and really solidify the line. I just loved seeing that kind of insight that that in for our actual offensive line coach, he was the number one guy. Yeah, definitely. I I I like I said, I love the fit and I love the signing. Um, the only thing that I thought was also just crazy is like he's so fucking physical on the field. He seems like the nicest fucking guy off of it. He yeah. seems like a is it like a just a big teddy bear. They were talking about how he was like uh how he's like a monster, and then they show him like in a press conference. I'm like, this exactly. Guy? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that was a good one. My my other thing, and I'm gonna bounce back here from this episode. And it's it, I I hinted at it twice earlier in this episode. Salo was talking about his process and the kind of player he's looking for. And we've talked about, yes, this team loves the the high character guy, but this was my favorite thing. You know, you've got your four squares of production and trust. And obviously the top guy that you want is in that top left corner. He's very productive and he's very trustworthy, but at the end of the day, they'll take trust over production when it comes down to it. And to me, that Navy seals, like exactly motto or style. Yeah. I loved that as well. Exactly. You know, they're looking for guys that, that they know are going to be putting in the work as opposed to guys who are just, you know, for themselves. I think it kind of leans to like how we didn't take Kayvon Thibodeau, even though me and you were beating the drum saying like, who cares about these character concerns? It's Kayvon Thibodeau. I just listened. He on the around the NFL podcast, which is one I like a lot. 
uh, he was on it for the third time. And, you know, he, I, he seems fine. And, and I, I do like, I don't think that you can, that having a big personality and being about your brand, like, I don't think that hurts you as a football player, but I do see that potentially the Jets are, maybe this isn't the guy that we want. Maybe we want a yeah. different guy, you know, after watching no. this, you, you kind of get it. That's that's huge. I, I totally agree with that. And and to me, the only other guy that it, it, it screamed to was Becton. And, and I don't want to bring him up too many too many times, but it's like, man, when you produce, it's great, <laughs> but we need to be able to trust you. And that's where I when I was saying, like, with with who's going to be the left tackle, like I trust Fant. I do not trust Becton. That's where I'm at with the spectrum of it. And I, it just was like they need to trust you. And, and but more so, like you're saying, the guys that they're bringing in trust is the number one uh Trust is the number one. What's the word I'm looking for? Priority. Yeah. Yep. Thank yeah. you. Jeez. Brains break. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I mean, do you have anything else on? Not on with that? episode two. What well, else so got? I don't remember if this was two or three, but but when they were signing Braxton, maybe this was episode three. I think it was two. It were like okay. The, I think it was right around the end of two, but kind of similar. To talking about the process with Lake and what I really like to see. And, and again, you know, this is all cut up. We don't know everything, but, but what with Braxton, you know, it at least seemed like the way that they go through their process of evaluating free agents is, you know, I would have thought they said, okay, who on our team do we want to bring back? And then, okay, now next step, who, who's available, do we want to bring back? What it seems like they were actually doing was they were going through the list of guys and then they say, okay, next on up, one of our guys, Braxton Berrios. And and, you know, they dissect it. Now, here's my Braxton Berrios take. And I've been thinking about this like all week. Um, obviously, he's he's not like the best receiver in the world. And when you're kind of like from a prospect standpoint, like when you're just looking at the analysis of, OK, what what is Braxton Berrios like talents? What are his strengths, weaknesses, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to rank like very highly on the overall NFL list, you know, um, but what Braxton Berrios is and what he does every time he's like been on the field and every time he's had an opportunity to produce and, you know, not every time, but but most of the time he has and he has done something with that opportunity and he's made plays. And and in his, his couple years, you know, we signed him after getting cut from the Patriots. So he's kind of just like a fringe player. And every year, you know, he's been out there. Every year, he's become kind of a reliable guy for the quarterback. Every year, he's scoring touchdowns. Every year, scheming plays for him. I think it comes down to, like, like when we were debating, uh, when all the Jets fans are debating whether we should re-sign him, sure, you can easily say, hey, Braxton Barrios, he's a great player, but there's a lot of guys better than him out there, whatever. But just the when you're, when you're just analyzing, like, what does this guy do when he goes, when he goes on the field, I think he's a much higher player than maybe some other NFL receivers in the league that you would say, well, this guy, I would definitely say is better than Braxton, but he hasn't had nearly the production in the amount of time, you know? So I just think like it can get lost. And so I just want to like put that out there defending Braxton. Um, But also to your point, like, how can you cut a guy who has done that production was an all pro uh, special returner. teamer as a returner, mm-hmm. and then is also your quarterback's best friend. Like right. that just you locks it, it in. No, know, I, so. I, I feel bad for saying that was the only reason they brought it back. Cause obviously he provides a ton of value and is one of the best returners in football. I think the, the money is, is where I would be like, okay, 
I think they probably opened up a little bit more to bring him back. And I'm sure there was interest from other teams in that range that got them to that point. But I think when they looked at it and they knew that they were going to have, you know, three receivers ahead of him on the depth chart, they probably wouldn't have wanted to go for that big of a contract. But at the end of the day, I mean, it still wasn't bad. It wasn't yeah. like a disastrous deal. To yeah. Start. And again, I mean, even if he's the fourth guy, he's going to be a guy who's going to be working in and he's going to be out there punt return, kick return. So, yeah. you know, worth the money. Yeah, um, that was all I really had for episode two. And honestly, for episode three, unless there's anything I missed in two that you wanted to go. No, nope, we're good. Three Let's for keep me it was just very transactional with free agency. It was just really we're hitting on the guys that we're bringing in. Um, coolest moment, obviously. And we we knew that it was there, but it kind of see it on the film, um, you know, have seeing Jordan Whitehead at the Revis draft party. Was, yeah, was I wrote sick. that down just too. Like uh, the coolest moment. Yeah, and and just like, yeah what are they they're related somehow like i, I honestly cousins yeah i've heard of the connection but it, like it it caught me by surprise i definitely like forgot about it um really cool but yeah that was awesome they were just like they like quickly paused it and highlighted you yeah. know some little yeah. kid and his he was wearing revis's high school jersey you know that that is cool um um only other thing this might have been episode two might have been episode three um we're just kind of all over the place here at one point Mike LaFleur said when he was describing the staff and like when they're going through their process he said there's no egos in this building like everyone comes in and they put their ego aside and I thought that was interesting because when you think of an NFL front office and NFL GMs and an NFL coaching staff, like the number one thing you think of is ego. You know what I mean? Like you think of all these guys, you know, I mean, they're, they're You've worked 20 plus years to get to that point. Right. For, and for there's most only, of them, especially like the GMs and the head coaches, like there's only yeah. 32 of those guys in the world. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting perspective when you hear him say that, you know, obviously they could have some issues in, in that he's not alluding to, but for him to think to say that, you know, and when you look at, okay, Robert Salas seems very down to earth, Mike LaFleur, Jeff, all, like all these guys do kind of have that, that vibe of like, they're putting the the team over their own individual accolades. Um, so I just thought that was a really interesting thing because again, you think of NFL coaches, you think of ego. Um, so it's just an interesting little statement well, to throw in there. And even you think of, uh, to me, when I think of it, like, the best coaches are the ones that don't have one. And I think a big influence in Robert Sala's life, maybe not directly necessary, but very indirectly is Mike Tomlin. And, um, and a guy like that is very humble and understanding. The that, like, Dude, he's one of the most consistent. He's never had a losing season and he's yeah, been a head coach for some really bad teams. Um, but to me, I kind of look at them in the same light where it's like, you know, the good head coaches understand that even despite getting to that point where they are the head coach, they can't do it without everybody else that, that is on that staff. And so that is really great to see and to hear LaFleur talk about. Um, oh, what was my other point with that? Oh, <laughs> the, the other part. Yep. So it was, uh, I, I just, I think that's also huge for Jets fans to kind of hear after what they had to deal with, with the last regime. And just that yeah. felt like a very selfish and um, me, me, me. I did this. I run this. I control this. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to call the offensive snaps now because we've had a few rough weeks. Like it just, it, it never felt comfortable with the last coaching staff. And that was only from seeing it from afar. Um, so I, I think being able to show 
and really highlight like, yes, we, we can talk about culture. You're going to get the inside eye. All of us really do check our egos at the door and we're all just about making this team better. Definitely. All right. Um, this is the best part. Let's talk about the draft. Yeah, go ahead. Well, so can I, can I tell you, I you was, it was sauce all day. All was, fucking day, man. They, I mean, going back to what I said, when, when it was Salah kind of saying that about the corner, he's like, I think they do. They, they had no reservations about wanting him. And, oh, and we were, it's, it's unbelievable to me how Crazy. off like we were. And I mean, they're, what, like looking back, it. there were plenty of people projecting sauce, but every time I saw it, I was like, those people don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> yep. And it's like, yeah, man, I, I love it. I'm happy that they did it. It's, it's hilarious to me that like Houston takes Stingley, another cornerback, the pick before them. And it's like, whoa, you know, um, and you, you, yeah, it's just awesome. Uh, the reaction, uh, I, go back to that. The reaction when, when Houston took Stingley and Douglas and Sala just start freaking out. It's like, oh, they yeah, took yeah, fucking yeah. Stingley over like, they like, like look at the each other. Best. They, they were so yeah. excited about it. So that was really cool. Yeah. And another thing I liked, um, they had Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football. He's and best. he's talking I'm about, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Schrager fan as well. Um, but he's talking, he's like, yeah, you know, calling around coaches in the league when I would ask them, like, who's the guy, who's the guy who's going to be that solid 10 year starter that you kind of know what you're going to get. He said sauce's name was, was easily the most, the most consistent um, to answer that question. And that's just, you know, even he said it, he's like, you don't want to put the expectations on him like that, but, but it is just, you know, kind of reminds me of Elijah Vera Tucker where how they described him was like a guy who's going to come in and you know what you're going to get. And, I could not be more excited for sauce. You know, I just, yeah. it, it's so awesome. And and hopefully he can really, really change things. Yeah. To me, I, like the, the Garrett Wilson selection, I don't think popped as much to me as the Jermaine and, and the sauce one. It was a, it was a great pick. They took the best wide receiver available. Is there anything specific with Wilson? Cause I really want to talk about Jermaine. It, I think that's interesting. You said that because I, I definitely thought they kind of put in that little, like, like, Drake London gets picked and they kind of like looked at each other they, and look at each other, Yeah. And then I thought it was funny, you know, Joe Douglas is on the phone. Who knows who he's on the phone with, but he, and, and he goes there, you know, so someone had told him that they're uh, the not number nine pick was going to be Charles cross, you know, the tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my takeaway, well, let's talk about Jermaine Johnson, but no, through the ahead. first 10 picks, yeah. Through the first 10 picks and really including Jermaine Johnson, like the takeaway from this was that the Jets did kind of go three for three. And like yeah. we talk about a lot, you know, how they're going to they're going to frame it in a way where where it looked good for the Jets. So after the draft, you know, they're going to say, yeah, Garrett Wilson was our number one uh, receiver. Sauce was our number one corner. Jermaine Johnson was our top eight player, like whatever regardless of it being a show and and they can edit and cut like those things were just clear and true like mm-hmm. like yeah. sauce was their the prospect that they wanted going in yeah. garrett wilson was the receiver that they wanted to draft at 10 and then jermaine johnson was the guy that they had as a top 8 player and then went up and got him and so it, it's just funny because it's like yeah you know you let the draft fall do whatever it really does seem like the jets went in with a plan 
executed that plan exactly how they were hoping, got the exact two. Like, like the Jets could have been picking one and two, and they would have picked Sauce and Garrett Wilson. In. Like, that's what I think is so interesting. Um, and then you throw that in with, oh, and we're also going to get our number eight overall player, our probably number one edge rusher based on what Woody Johnson said, you know, 20 picks later. That um, whole process was so crazy. And the, the moment that stood out to me the most was like, he knew Kansas city was, was trying to take an edge rusher. And, and, and we knew that the jets called literally every team in the teens and into the early twenties yep. trying to get that. I think and it was 15 saw, and back. 11 dude, and when picks he in a row. saw that the chiefs had traded up, he was like, fuck this. Like he, cause he knew Kansas city was looking at an edge and they didn't go edge. They took their edge with their second first round pick. And so like just that roller coaster that, that they were going yeah. through thinking like, fuck, we just missed him. Wait, no, we didn't. We still have a chance to get our guy. Um, you know, the come get me line was, was great from Jermaine. I know we, that wasn't something that was like new to the show. We had, you know, we, he had said to them, yeah. come get me, but it's just cool to see in the process and how they kind of put that in there. I do um, think it's interesting. Like when, when Jermaine Johnson is coming out of his meeting and he says that like in his mind, was he thinking they would have to move up from 10 to get him? It's a good point. You know, or is he thinking like, is he thinking like, maybe I am going to be a late round first pick, you know, and you can come get uh, me. But I, I just thought that was interesting because a lot a of point. people, you know, a lot of people would have, I mean, even Jeff Ulbrich said it. He said, I wanted them to take Jermaine at 10, you yeah. know, and it's like a lot of people wouldn't have been surprised if he did go in the top 10, if he was the first edge rusher off the board. So, yeah. so it's just kind of interesting to think about, yeah, we came and got him, but we did it at 26 as opposed to, um, you know, eight. Right. Um, so yeah, that was a great episode. Is, is there anything else with, four yeah, that, I, that, that was like the through? draft episode. Yeah. No, you know, and I, I honestly, I only have one for five. I think you're going to love it. Uh, I'm ready. I'll let you start. I mean, to me, it was more just like, I, I like, this was hearing... just kind of like the, the fluff. Episode. Yeah. I, I liked hearing Albrecht break down sauces effort and, and the way he approaches the game. Um, I liked, you know, hearing like, uh, I think it was Douglas that said it. It's not, it wasn't solid, but like it was, we have these assets to get playmakers and that's when right. they went up and they traded. He was up like, for there's Hall. a reason we got all this draft capital. Yep. You this know, was a fun breakdown it. episode for Lafleur as well too. And then uh, to me, the big, the big, you know, speech um, was solid and like closing the gap. Like that's, that's what this season is about. Um, did I, did I dance over your points or where, where are you coming at? No, 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 you're one? good. Um, I, I do just want to say in terms of closing the gap, what I've really liked about this off season um, from, you know, just like a press perspective from how Sala and, and Joe Douglas have kind of like expressed themselves is you know, they're not putting a mandate on anything. They're not saying we need to win X amount of games. We're not saying we have to make the playoffs, whatever. Um, but the past couple of years, you know, they would say, listen, we're, we're here to win. You, you play the game to win. But at the same time, it's a young it's a young team. We just want them to get better. We want them to improve. That's still kind of the message. That's the communication. But they're definitely acknowledging like we can't. I, LaFleur said it like a hundred times. He says the league waits for no one. Like your process is you're doing your process. Great. And you're executing your plan. Great. But at the end of the day, you do have to kind of increase the expectations and you have to start seeing some results. And I think that in their communication, you know, in the way Sal is saying, 
we were owing 12 in the, in our past 12 divisional division games. Like that shit's got to stop, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, the jets are on their way in my opinion, and this shows it. And, and it's just like, I like that they are at least putting some pressure on themselves. So we need to at least perform this year, you know, and at least put up a fight. Um, anything you want to say on that before, before I, uh, give you the just, the, well, the just closing. to echo that actually and i it, because this is going back to the first episode but Schefter was like a, a divisional title a playoff appearance a playoff win a super bowl would mean more to the jets fan base than probably any other fan base in football and and not just from the fact of like there are a lot of teams that haven't won but there's no teams with as big of a market with as big of a fan base that have been through so many years of bullshit like Closing the gap, yeah. closing the gap is what's going to make Jets Nation kind of go wild. Not even the fact of like we need to be in a Super Bowl, you know, this next year. It's just like knowing that this is going the right way is going to just make make such a difference. Um, and Schefter was mentioned that in the first yeah. Episode, sometimes which, I like I'm a Jets fan. That was cool. Yeah. That sometimes cool I I kind of push back on like the New York is a different type of market than everywhere else. Um, it but, so is, but it really is, and it so and. Is. You see that. I mean, you listed all those, all those analysts, um, all those analysts that were on it. Like they are so many the NFL show. Jets, Jets analysts, or so many NFL analysts and personalities are Jets fans. And it's because they grew up in New York City or, you know, they went to Syracuse and somehow had a connection yeah. or, or like there are so many Jets fans in the industry that it does. It, it adds that extra like. Like you listen to a show, you watch a show. There's always like one Jets fan who you're kind of he's kind of in it with us, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, very cool, very awesome series. My, I just wanted to Hit add it up at it. the very end. Uh, they show a shot of Denzel Mims like coming out, and Salah comes up to him, and they just daft each other up and like bro hugged. You know it's good. You know it's good. They're bought in. Mims is back. Mims revenge tour. Oh man, that is a great way to end it. I completely just glossed over that as like, uh, whatever. Uh, that was the only note I wrote down in the fifth episode. <laughs> I was like, I literally oh. wrote shot of Mims and salad dapping up was dope. <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's the best part. We're only a couple months away from, from I think being able to finally to, to close this Mims chapter. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll That's see. Funny. That's yeah, one no. of the, I can't wait to do like a questions of the, of the office. Like, what are we most excited to answer? Like to get answers to, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm excited. I want to do stuff of like who, what players have the most pressure on them heading into the season. There's a fun, a ton of fun stuff. Now that we're getting like into July and into the yep. preseason, we've, we've done fine bridging this, this gap between the boring parts. We still got a few weeks oh, yeah. to go, but it's, it's starting. Our reading the rune series was elite in my I opinion. loved it. It was fun. Yeah. If anyone has been listening the whole time, shout out you. Shout out to you. Exactly. Teddy, uh, that being said, very long podcast tonight. I know. I knew it was going to happen, about. but uh, Me too, okay. just based on when I looked at the notes, I was like, yeah, we're going to go on for a bit, but it's okay. Anything else that we should we should? I'm good, on? man. I think, I think we did it. Amazing. I think the, uh, the uh, Flight 2022 is awesome. It was fun to break it, it down. It was fun to watch it, hear your thoughts on it, and- you know, I really, I really enjoyed the reading the room series. I think that could be something we do, you know, going forward. Every uh, season. Yeah. So why not? It Perfect. was a blast. Appreciate it you. It was a blast. Appreciate you. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
to chasing 69 a new york jets podcast at nyj nyj underscore chasing 69 on twitter teddy at teddy huncho i'm at blake andrew pace the youtube channel nyj underscore chasing 69 as well too share it with your jets friends uh like it review it all that stuff that yeah give us some likes yeah give us some likes there give us some listens keep just hitting play every time you open up spotify just fucking press play on it because why not um appreciate you guys as always for teddy first dash i'm blake pace we will talk to you next week peace